thermal sound waves, waves. It's thermal sound waves, a natural alternative to fast food radio, track life radio, WLGK, Logic Radio, Chicago. We here, see Truth, Kevin Lawrence. Hit us up, 347-454-1278. Email us, thermalsoundwaves at gmail.com. We're going to talk to um, our fam, our sister, Piper Carter, who's joining us right now. Of course, doing great things out there. Activist, farmer. Um, just, just a whole bunch of things that, that she does. And, um, she's going to break down, um, a situation that's, that's going down in the Detroit area. That's, uh, extremely important that everybody needs to, uh, know about and, um, take heed to and, and, and get out get on and get active. But before we go any further, see truth and Kev Lawrence joining you right now. Um, how are things going with you just, just in general, Piper? Well, first of all, I just want to say peace. And um, shout out to the entire Thermal Soundwaves, you know, family, listening people. And thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate, you know, the space and the opportunity. And, you know, I'm a huge fan of y'all work. You know what I'm saying? See Truth, Kev Lawrence, y'all are that deal. Y'all got great interviews, a great show. So that's my PSA that comes from the heart. I'm a true listener and fan of y'all work. So it's quite an honor to be on this show. But me personally, um... Personally, I'm blessed. Let me just say that. Uh, about seven weeks ago, um, when it first was becoming, you know, known that uh, this was coming to um, the United States, I actually went to my mom's senior building, picked her up, uh, went to the bank, and went to the um, grocery store. And then I came uh, to my house. I moved her into my house, and we've been separated ever since. So, um, thank goodness we have our needs met and all of that. And uh, personally, we're good. I do know a lot, a lot of people that um, have died. You know, Ashe, I do know a lot of people who have it and are um, recovering, you know, sending them some healing vibrations. And every single day, it's just like more people, more people, more people. And y'all know just as well as we do, because in New York City, y'all got hit super hard. And I'm looking at everything that's going on in New York. So that's me. That's what's going on with me personally. No doubt. No question. Definitely. Definitely. And you know, anywhere or any place where it's like highly massively populated, you're going to get issues um, in regards to, you know, things like this and then with pandemics and, and health issues because you know everybody just packed in so it's easy to um have things just just really spread out pretty quickly we, we we're having you on today to speak about um what's going on in the detroit area as far as um the water situation and what's been happening before this particular crisis that we're dealing with now but this, this has been going on for, for quite some time and you've been somebody that's been on this um for a while um, what's going on as far as like as far as getting their water turned off and and things like that so you know how like something be so layered and then you be it's like a radio show and it'd be like man how can i get all of this in within about two minutes so that's what i'm gonna try to do okay but long story short like you said this has been going on for um a long time just so people understand the um, demographics of detroit it's an 85 percent black city and it's been 85% black for like, I don't know, 40 something years. We used to have a black mayor, Coleman Young, rest in peace, that have been the mayor since like the 70s. And we had a succession of black mayors. And then somewhere around 20, uh, I don't know, 14 or something like that is when we got um, folks just lost their mind. And then we got this white mayor and um, 
that's when the gentrification just went like through the roof. So with that, um, as you know, um, Detroit had been one of the ones that was hit during the, ec- the beginning of the economic crisis of 2008. And it, um, that was, you know, the, whole, the entire housing um, scandal, which Dan Gilbert, who owns Quicken Loans, um, which is based here in Michigan, was responsible for all of um, those scam loans and things. And he's one of the biggest developers. All this stuff is related because with that, um, we learned that during that time, they cut off, they scammed people out of their properties, they closed all the schools, they started moving people around, they did like really aggressive gentrification all over the city. They created something called um, healthy neighborhoods and unhealthy neighborhoods, and the healthy neighborhoods they kept, and those are the ones they invested into, and the unhealthy ones they divested from. So they took away, they closed those schools, they shut off their water, they took away their um, emergency services and garbage, turned off the streetlights, and literally, like, people that could leave left, and pretty much what was left was the people that couldn't leave. So fast forward to about 2014, and the Detroit Water and Sewage Department, which is a city-owned utility, decided to do an aggressive shutoff program. And their goal was to shut off 100,000 homes of water. They ended up shutting off somewhere between 144,000 to 168,000. All these facts you can check on a website. It's called We the People of Detroit, which is an organization that I volunteer with that has been this work. So with that, move fast forward. They went through this aggressive shutoff program. They decided that um, what they would do is even if somebody's water, like even if you owe like a little 10 cents, they would um, cut your water off. And then when they show up to cut your water off, they show up with um, Child Protective Services and Detroit Police Department. They remove the child from the home and put them into um, juvenile detention center. And they charge the parent with um, neglect and abuse and a bunch of other stuff. So even if the parent was able to pay the amount to get the water turned back on, they still get roped into the entire legal system of having to find money to like, you know, defend themselves, get their kids back. And meanwhile, their kid is going through all this trauma in the system. So that's how that had been going down since 2014. So you fast forward to COVID and the governor of Michigan um, a few weeks ago issued an executive order. She issued a bunch of executive orders. One of the executive orders that she issued was that all water must be turned on. And so with that, um, that pretty much eliminated any of these shutoffs and everybody's water was supposed to get turned on. Well, mind you, the city of Detroit's water and sewage department had purged their records of anybody that was delinquent over one year. And so they don't, the head of the, the water department admitted he doesn't even understand or have a record of how many people are actually living without water. The activists have been uh, delivering water for years. It's people whose water been cut off two, three, four, five years. So imagine if your water is just cut off for a couple of years, it's just sitting there and the pipes become corroded. Well, he, uh, contracted with the plumbers union and supposed to 
go through all the houses, fix all the plumbing, and get every single person's water on. But he's trying to get out of it by saying that the activists are inflating numbers. But meanwhile, activists are delivering water every single day to people. It takes about eight cases of bottled water per person per three days to live off of. And what that means is you cook with it, you clean with it, you drink it, you know, and imagine having to have that much bottled water on hand. Like I said, there's at least 10,000 people currently in the city of Detroit who do not have their water on. And so what we do, we have a petition um, that we um, are doing with moveon.org. It's called Frontline Detroit. And we're petitioning the mayor of the city of Detroit, Mayor Duggan, to force Gary Brown and the Detroit Water and Sewage Department to turn all water on, fix everybody's pipes and get everybody's water on. So I'll put a period there. And I actually truncated all of it as way, way more. But yeah, I just put a period right there. Gotcha, gotcha. It's Thermal Sound Waves. We are talking to Piper Carter doing her thing um, for all the people out there in Detroit. Uh, a very strong activist. And uh, as she was saying, um, helping get pe people water, period, which is, you know, an essential right, an essential um, item that everybody, everybody. needs. So um, uh, kudos to, to her for that. And, and Going back to Dan Gilbert, Dan Gilbert is the same guy who owns the Cleveland Cavaliers who basically called LeBron a slave when he left Cleveland the first time. And then, um, you know, he had to apologize for, for, for saying that when LeBron came back, just to put things in perspective as far as, like, who Dan Gilbert is. But um, call us up, 347-454-1278. Email us, thermosoundwave to gmail.com. Um, got a question, and then I'm going to let Kev jump in with a question that he has as well. Um, as far as purging the records, even if someone was delinquent with with their water payments and all of that, why would you purge? Because there's still going to be water that's needed to that particular um, house or that particular unit. So why would you purge the record um, in, in that situation? Bro, I, that's, that's how I want to know. <laughs> I mean, that's one of our questions. Um, long story short, what we um, did let them know is that they hired a company called Homridge. They paid them $8 million to, it's a private company. They paid them to conduct these shutoffs. So we contend that even though the city of Detroit has purged their records, they could definitely get the records from Homridge who went and did the actual shutoffs and get those addresses. But they're claiming that they want the activists, us, to go and find 10,000 people and uh and, and and prove to them that there's 10,000 people and what we're contending is that's not on activists to do your job you're the head of the water department like you said see true they should have records who purges records like what government agency purges a record i mean to me i think that might even sound illegal i'd have to ask an attorney but you know i think part of it too brother is that like i said we're 85% black city and so a lot of like janky stuff you know, um, goes down uh, in in city in, in 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 city government when it comes to black people, like a lot of really shady stuff. And um, I also just want to add, there's a couple of companies. I know y'all know this company called Nestle. Nestle is paying two hundred dollars per year 
to bottle to um take water from the Detroit River, bottle it, and sell it back to people. And they're making, you know, a killing. With that, our ex-governor Snyder, the one who was responsible for the Flint water crisis when he changed from uh, Flint's water source from the healthy, natural, fresh Detroit River to the historically toxic Flint River that had been banned from use since the 50s, even though he was warned against by scientists. He's a co-owner of Nestle. Betsy DuVos, who is the secretary, the federal secretary of education under Donald Trump, she is from Michigan. She's also a co-owner of Nestle. These people own these companies, not to mention there's another company called Veolia. Veolia is the same company that's contracted to do all of this, I'm going to call it financial martial law, but it's like emergency management. And it's when they come over and take over um, utilities and public-owned utilities. They're the same company that did this type of crap in Puerto Rico, um, and and just if you look up Veolia countries all around, Veolia is there with their dirty hands, and so is Nestle. And so just wanted to like I highlight that as well. So while the city of Detroit is is looking at residents and blaming residents and saying like you know activists need to find these people, like people are actually making money off of um, the back of poor people, disabled people. You know, our grandparents living off of, you know, these these uh, marginal, you know, uh, 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 wages that they're paid from, you know, their retirement and Social Security and corporations are getting off like a fat cat. The Detroit has a utility company called um, Detroit uh, DTE. It's the same thing like Con Ed and it but it's a monopoly and they owe like tens of thousands of dollars of late water and so do like a bunch of different corporations but they're not going after these corporations like if it's a money thing and they're like oh people need to pay their bill they need to go after these corporations that need to pay their bill and stop trying to terrorize somebody's grandma i just had to get that out there you know absolutely absolutely we're talking to piper carter of detroit is different she does a show on her own that's that's great you definitely need to check that out and be before we go we're definitely gonna uh, let you know how you can find that um and also in, in regards to detroit and, and and companies like con ed with emphasis on the con detroit is one of those american cities that has a history of um corruption so i think people need to understand that as well that goes way way back just just like chicago and newark and places like that so it, it's that's something that has a play in all of this as well. So, um, but I'm gonna let Kev jump in right now with questions that he has. Right, uh, I know there's a few things you, you know we mentioned about the Nestle and the, uh, Snyder. I I believe there was a documentary that a few, but it's something that's been out for a while where companies are going to certain towns in the state of Michigan, which Detroit is inside of, and they're draining water from the wells of these uh, places in Michigan and rerouting them and bottling, bottling the water to sell back to the people. So it could be a town next door over, and they're working on a deal to where they're kind of getting over, not kind of, they are getting over on the people, where they're telling them, 
we'll give you some money, or we'll let you work in our plant. <laughs> Where we're going to take all your water, and then we're going to sell it to the next town over, or the next uh, day, whatever you're the next town over, and sell it, sell it to them, and then we're going to give you some of the profits. So when you have people that work in, like, let's say, Walmart's making $7 an hour or $6 an hour, and you hear, hey, I can get some money, which may be equivalent to, like, $9 an hour, some of those people feel that um, a come-up. Yet it's only for a certain amount of time. And then that company will have to leave because there's no more water. It drains your water out. And you're probably going to have contaminated water 30 years from now and nowhere to go because you have problems with your health. Like how many people out there in Canada, like Nova Scotia, are having their water so contaminated. And like majority of the people in Nova Scotia towards the outer lines, majority of them have cancer. Are dying at a very early young age. It's very disgusting. Now, with that being said, I, we know that within middle America, Midwest is the, known as the home of a lot of militias. Now, in Lansing, Michigan, I believe these so-called militias have taken over the state building, and they're out there armed, guns out, every fingers in uh and stand by position on by the triggers and everything. And they're starting to tell people, and yes, majority of people, not majority, it looks like all these people are the militias are actually Caucasian in white. And a lot of them are starting to say, people say we're the bad guys, but realistically, the government of Michigan is the bad guy because everything is being messed up. So do you feel like these militias out there in the state of Michigan uh, are actually trying to help out State of Michigan, which could also consider Detroit? No, not at all. <laughs> Actually, the militia, like, truth be told, I mean, you got, let's just put it this way, you got your pro-gun people, right? And not all pro-gun, like, Michigan is one of those um, stand-your-ground and um, open-carry states, and not all gun, uh, pro-gun people are militia, let me just say that. And I'll just, just for the record, so people know, I'm just say I'm a pacifist. Like, I believe everybody has the right to, um, you know, bear arms. Like, I believe in the Second Amendment, but but I don't believe in, like, you know, owning a gun. That's just my stance. But um, that's just so you know where I'm coming from. But with that, the actual militia, like the folks that was out there yesterday, those are actually white supremacists. And so Michigan is interesting in that um so just for folks who are new yorkers that have never really been to like other places like in the midwest like you know michigan is pretty much super segregated and not that new york's not segregated because new york is segregated but michigan's segregated in a whole different way as to where literally you have these pockets of cities that might be like a black city and then that city is surrounded by all these white cities and you only have like a couple of cities that's really what you would call integrated but other than that um michigan is just super white and it's super republican um just that's a generalization but that's just to give you an overall view um and so with that just like if you go to New Jersey and you know how um, if you go to South Jersey, you got 
all of those type of white supremacists and militia and stuff like that. That's how most of um, Michigan is. A lot of it is rural. Um, a lot of it is farm towns. A lot of it is like a lot of industrial towns where there used to be some sort of auto industry, but then that industry left. And so it kind of gutted the town. And so the people that are there is most of the people who couldn't escape, if you will. And um, but Detroit is 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 different than a lot of the rest of Michigan. Detroit is an urban city. We're more kind of like on the East Coast, tell you the truth. Um, but imagine it's kind of like a Newark, except that the city has a bigger budget than Newark. And it's kind of like, um, it's, it's interesting. Detroit's kind of like a small town inside of um, a big city. And so Detroit in and of itself is one of the most diverse places in Michigan um, besides Dearborn and besides Hamtramck. And I have to say Detroit is also interesting because it's got two cities that are inside of it. You have Hamtramck and Highland Park. And Hamtramck is one of the most diverse places. It's like Queens. It's one of the most diverse places um, around Michigan. And, and with that, Detroit is also surrounded complete, almost completely by all these kind of white supremacist type people. So there's lots of these type of militia people that are kind of like white supremacist cells, um, kind of like, you know, the folks that was in um, Waco. You know what I'm saying? And that whole protest that happened yesterday, there was almost 15,000 people. And it was almost like Trump did a big like dog whistle to all the white supremacists to go out there. And these dudes had like heavy artillery, machine guns. I mean, it was crazy. Um, they let them go on the Capitol steps. They was threatening the governor. I mean, it was barely any police. And so... That's actually the third time that that's happened. Last year, they um, they infiltrated downtown Detroit at the Pride Parade, and they they got a booth, and um, they 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 were protected by the Detroit police, which is interesting. So it seems as though this this type of activity, this right wing fascist white supremacist activity, is ramping up, and it's um, yeah, it's ramping up. You know, it seems as if, you know, when you look at that, that situation and to uh, to add on to what you're saying, I didn't see any police out there. It was nothing but I'm all about I, I really want, really want to call them arms, but it's called guns. I have no problem saying the word guns. I love guns. Whenever I fought for the country with guns, I love guns. And. It's to a point where you guys are overly armed. <laughs> it's like, who are you so overly armed for right now? Like, it's different if you smile with an AR-15, like to have freedom on you with the bulletproof vest and the knives and the scissors that is pretty much a knife anyway. And it's like, who are you so armed for? And if no police are out there, to push you out, then are they the police as well? Mm. So you gotta ask yourself, when you hear sometimes in these Midwest cities, uh, whether Detroit, especially Chicago, 
and you hear about these these shootings, are uh, all these shootings coming from the so-called you know youth that are running wild, or they coming from professionals? And with everything going on right now, and I'm looking at things, I'm like, wait a minute, if you have the protection from law enforcement, whether you all law enforcement or not, then that means there's actually uh, another country within this country that many people have no idea about. And how should we protect ourselves, not just from the water, but from those kind of people? So it's, it's a very interesting thing going on. And it, it really looks at the safety aspect of it. Like, uh, how do should people in, the, in Detroit and little pocket country that you may have like-minded good people, should you say, hey, listen, we have a water crisis as well as a, a militia crisis? Well, to add on to, to what you both have been saying, country within a country, that's been going on since the inception of the United States. So that's none, none of what you're seeing is anything new. It's just way out in the open now. It's more in your face. It's more just being shown. And we know who these people are armed for and who they're protecting and all that kind of stuff. And there are ways that we can counteract that. I'm not going to say it on air because I'm not one for putting out strategy on air and, and doing things like that. But we're just raising these issues so people can know, people can understand what's going on. So when they see it, they, they, they get the gist of, of what's happening. In regards to all of these people and the resources and the segregations of, of resources, like how, how does that affect or how is that affecting the, the resources to the people and to the, 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 the cities that, that need it? So, okay, well, with that, also I had to mention just so people understand the geography of uh, Michigan. Michigan is also, um, it has like a, an upper peninsula as well. And in the um, upper peninsula, there's a lot, it's, it's rural and there is um, a lot of um, indigenous people that live up there off the land and on reservation and also a, a lot of ton of white supremacists. Um, and so with that, Without throughout the state of Michigan, it's a it's huge like geographically, like physically huge. So, um, our airport, right, for instance, is about um, a forty five minute to an hour drive from like the city, right? And so, um, our like as you go up, Detroit sits at the bottom, like kind of southeast which is right on the Detroit River and Michigan's shaped like a mitten and we're kind of like the, at the bottom of the thumb. And so as you go through out the state of Michigan, as you go in more north, you know, more people, like I said, Detroit is more urban and city and a lot of black people and different ethnicities. And as you go more north, it's going to be more farmland, more rural, uh, you know, a lot of white folks. And then when you go like more way towards the very end, which is the um, upper peninsula, that's when you get more of your indigenous whole communities. Throughout Michigan is lots of indigenous people and indigenous communities, but it's, but they're more in number. Um, the the uh, Anishinaabe tribe is more in number um, as you go to the top. So with that, you have a lot of people that are living rurally that, um, you know, they farm, they live off the land, 
Um, like you said, they may have their own, um, you know, solar or they might have their own water supply. Um, you know, they're hunting a lot, especially in northern Michigan, in the Upper Peninsula, especially indigenous folks. Um, even a lot of white folks hunt a lot. And so people have different needs. You see what I'm saying? So if down here, while we're um, in the city, you know, we're mostly living off of our, um, these infrastructure, you know what I'm saying? These, these urban infrastructures. And whereas when you, as more you go north, a lot of people are more just living off their own infrastructure that they built. And so with that, like, if you're on a more urban infrastructure, well, you've got a water treatment plant, uh, facility, you know, that type of thing. People working there, those are essential workers. You've got people that are maintaining um, the electricity, you know, um, facility, you know, that's considered an essential worker. You have a lot more uh, police, fire, emergency services, um, but, but, you know, more hospitals. And you just have a lot of more of these um, uh, services and things like that that's going to all be more tied to, um, you know, needing these resources. Whereas uh, more you go up, a lot of people are, they might have less hospitals, less emergency, less police, less, you know, um, like I said, if they're doing their own water, then they're maintaining their own water. You know, they might be maintaining their own grid or their own electricity. So I'm just saying all that to say that when they're talking about drawing down resources, people are looking at join the resources for different things. Also with the spread, the spread is, you know, much more uh, pervasive throughout the urban areas because the people that live, you know, further from each other, they not really congregated so much together. So it hasn't been as, um, you know, pervasive in those areas, I should say, as it has been down here. I mean, it's up there, and people have it, but they're not seeing it the way we do because they don't congregate the way we do. And so um, when it comes to like needs and things, that's where a lot of the battles come from about the state. Because like I said before, Michigan is mostly a Republican state. There's a lot of working class people, but there's also a lot of super rich people. There's a lot of, um, you know, we're right off the water. So you have a lot of cities and towns going all the way from the actual urban center of Detroit. And then if you go along the river, going all the way up through um, into like some more northern suburbs that are along the, the seashore, you know, a lot of uh, shorefront properties and things like that. But then as you go towards the middle, you might see a lot of other people having some different types of industries and things like that. And so with that, um, there's always a battle between the black folks and urban folks that live in Detroit in the city and what we feel we need money for and what most of the people from around the state feel they need money for. And then also too with the indigenous folks who um, have had their treaties, you know, broken, who, you know, um, have staked their claim on land and it's been, you know, disrespected. And so, um, there's always a battle of resources, but right now, right now is really a battle of ideals and ideology around what, where those resources should go and what they should be spent on 
and if cities should be closed or if they should reopen. Like, that's the huge battle right now. We're talking to Piper Carter of Detroit is different. Of We found hip-hop of Piper Carter Studio. Um, hit us up, 347-454-1278, thermosoundwaves at gmail.com. But how do people get involved in having to say and who control the resources and, and, and getting more resources to, like, Detroit and the places that need it? How do they go about that? Well, for, well, one very straightforward way is um, signing a petition that we have, like I said, that's on moveon.org. Um, I'm, I'm a part of a coalition called Frontline Detroit, and that coalition is uh, the petition is basically demanding that the mayor of Detroit force the head of the Detroit um, Water and Sewage Department to turn all the water on. So, and, and to do that, find all the people, you know, contact Homridge that they paid the $8 million to to do the shutoff, get the addresses, and just get everybody's water on, like right now, um, because the stay at home order ends, you know, April 30th. Everybody around the country, everybody around the world right now needs money. Um, but I'm on a couple of different uh, mutual aid. Um, I'm a moderator for a few different mutual aid funds. I can send you that, you know, to send out. But there's plenty of mutual aid funds actually all around the country. There's different mutual aids for artists, mutual aid for restaurant workers, mutual aid for, you know, different types of people. So I say get on a mutual aid list to either, you know, be a supporter, either either you got something to give or you can make masks or you could, you know, give financially or you know about grants. Like, you know, there's one, it's called the Detroit COVID Mutual Aid. Um, I'll send you the link to that. It's simply just a spreadsheet. Um, and then there's, you know, just, uh, I say, I say the biggest thing is just like, where there's another piece of legislation that I need folks to get behind. Um, the, the Michigan Congresswoman, her name is Rashida Tlaib. She's one of the squad. She's the Palestinian one. She, um, actually has a piece of legislation that she's taken to federal and, um, it's a water is life bill. And basically what we're dealing with is an ideology, right? And many people, um, capitalists and the 1% and people who like to think and be like them believe that it's, it's a narrative they keep putting out that people are lazy and they don't want to pay their bill and all this other stuff. I want to just dispel that rumor right now. There's nothing that black people and poor people like to do more than, than, than take pride in paying their bills. They will brag to you that they pay their bills. <laughs> like that's something that black people will brag to you that they do. I pay my bills. So that whole thing around, you know, people trying to get over and stuff like that, that's not true. It's too expensive. First of all, water should be free. We're made of 70% water as human beings. The earth is made of 70% water. It's already criminal that they charge you for water. But if they have to charge for water, we want to have water affordability. Water affordability means that you, everybody is paying the same percentage. So if you, if you make 100000 or if you make you know, 10000 if each one of you is paying um, 10%, then you can afford to pay into the system. It means everybody's paying into the system. But if you're just charging everybody $250 to have water, 
Now you making somebody that has a fixed income might not be able to pay that. And then that's going to add up and add up and add up. And so what we're saying is that because water is so necessary to live, then it should be affordable so that everyone can have access to it. And so that bill, I think it's called the Water is Life bill. Rashida Tlaib is introducing that on the floor pretty soon. So we want people to get behind that bill. And I know, you know what I'm saying, um, it's real difficult. You know what I'm saying? I'm in the hip hop community and I know it's, it's difficult. You know, a lot of artists and stuff look at it and be like, I ain't signing no petition. Them politicians ain't doing nothing, blah, blah, blah. But this situation right here is a perfect example of what happens when we sit back and let other people do politics. And so for me, I just feel that I'm not believing in this system like it's so awesome, but I'm investing in my people and in my community and in myself. And I'm investing where I feel that the energy is necessary and we need to shift some of these policies and shift some of this power because we actually had a lot of power that our ancestors and forefathers actually set up for us that's actually been systemically destroyed ever since, you know, Trump got in office. And it's not like things were so perfect before, but we have to make things better for the next generation. We have to leave the earth better. We have to make better policies. And this is one way to do it. It's not the only way. You know what I'm saying? We growing our food. We doing solar. You know what I'm saying? We getting off the grid. We learning. We doing all these things. But at the same time, you know, there could be a policy tomorrow that say you can't grow your food. It could be a policy tomorrow that say you can't get an education. It's a policy to say you can't have water. So it's just important that we stay, you know, invested and in keeping our foot, you know what I'm saying, on their necks to force them to give us what our taxes pay for. You know what I'm saying? It's not a handout. It's not begging. It's actually going to where the money was already put for this reason in the first place and forcing them to do what it is that they're supposed to do, which is their job. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, have any additional uh, questions, Kevin? Oh, that's beautiful enough right there. You know, I, I just want you, other one more time, and let people know how they can get in contact with you for water and or dealing with the, uh, the COVID virus and prevention and what to do if you have it, you know, the steps you could take to possibly take care of yourself before you make the next step of trying to get to a uh, medical facility. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, um, actually, I'm connected to a bunch of different herbalists and things. So I'm going to give you my info. My info, y'all can, y'all know y'all can always find me on the internet, <laughs> on social media. I'm on there too much. But on my personal social media is Piper Carter, P-I-P-E-R-C-A-R-T-E-R. And I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And um, then for this type of work, you can go to um, Frontline Detroit. And Frontline Detroit is on um, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, and it's just, you know, um, a coalition of all types of organizations. Um, and if you want to check out the um, data and the information and people that specifically do water, then you can check out We the People of Detroit. And um, they're on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And um, yeah, I would say those are the best ways. No doubt. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you can catch um, Piper doing her show, Detroit is Different. Um, that's all over where you can get podcasts. So uh, make sure you definitely check that out. Like a lot of information um, goes on that particular program. And uh, Piper does a great show with that, um, with things like this. And just, just 
things with hip hop, either it's women in hip hop, fashion, like like the whole nine yards. It's, it's it's a great great show to listen to. Detroit is different. Um, Piper's been around for a while doing a lot of different things in addition to act the activism piece. Like she's a photographer. Um, she has an organization called um, We Found Hip Hop. Um, she works with the Dilla Youth Day, um, usually annually. Um, so definitely definitely check out Piper Carter. Just as Google that name, put that in there, and, and get with on Instagram, Twitter, and so forth. And um, you won't be a letdown. Definitely a great resource. And uh, we thank you, as always, for uh, joining us and putting out the words on, you know, different things that's going on um, throughout the world and in the communities. And, um, you know, making sure that people who need, you know, to get the word out to them and resources that they, they have some type of help out there. So we definitely appreciate you. Well, thank you for having me on here. Um, I'm definitely honored. Like I said, I'm definitely a fan of your show, of both of y'all. Y'all are very entertaining. Y'all have a lot of great guests, and y'all give a lot of good information. So thank you for doing what y'all do for so long and being consistent. We appreciate you. Also, uh, one quick thing. Uh, hopefully, Piper, you connect with BMB, which is a peanut and trick trip and couples people out there in Detroit. Hopefully you guys can collaborate on something. So I know they do a lot of things within the community. And uh, shout out to the whole crew of BMD. Uh, they do a lot of things. So hopefully you guys can come together and help out together for the communities of Detroit and more. Michigan. Thank you for that. All right, Piper. So we're going to let you get back to uh, doing the work that you do or enjoying your day, enjoying your evening. And uh, definitely uh, we're going to have you come back around to uh, let us know what's happened, you know, since all of this has gone down and um, since all of the activism, like the petitions and, and all of the legislation that's, that's going down with uh, Tlaib and, and all the others. Oh, thank you so much. And y'all stay safe. And um, you know what I'm saying? I'm sending y'all lots of love and protection as well in New York City. Appreciate that. It's Thermal Sound Waves, a natural alternative to fast food radio. Thermal Sound Wave, wave.